Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk for unbelievably episode 20. If you've been listening zero. Two zero. If, if you've been listening from the start, thank you very much. Pat on the back. Uh so yeah, I think that's tw- uh, 20 in total, but 16 I think with you Chris so far. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And uh and how many in in stay at home? So it's like it feels like we've been doing this for 18 years now. That's so. true. Yeah, and I will <laughs> say um you've had the longest run. You're definitely in the top 4 co-presenters that I've had on the show. Okay, all right, good. You keep me around. I'll keep you I'll keep you around. Sounds good. Uh, well, of course, I have to offer it to you first. What have oh, what watch you. have you been wearing this week? Uh so I I did a midweek switch. I'm over on my Seiko Turtle, my modified Seiko Turtle with my GMT 12-hour bezel. Um and one of the reasons why I popped it on is uh the, over on our Facebook group uh folks are talking about uh, and you brought this up um you've got the same the barton bands uh i've got the silicone barton band strap with the awesome keeper on it that i think you're going to do a review on or mention on your channel and i was like oh i haven't worn that in a while it's nice and comfy and uh yeah and been uh been playing with uh playing with the ultimate turtle over here so it's seiko turtle uh week playing with the ultimate turtle getting that dialed in sent you uh got uh Got it uh, down, and it's it's on uh, the one of my watchwinders right now. So we're, it's hanging out, and we'll see if it settles down. And yeah, if anybody's not not familiar with that story about the ultimate turtle, I had a turtle watch that Chris has kindly been working on for probably about six months now. Uh, if you're interested in finding out more, there is a YouTube video. But I think we're calling it the ultimate turtle because. We think it might be the best, now that Chris has regulated it and spent so much time on it, it might be the best version of that turtle that has ever been, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, yeah. Yeah, no, it's got it dialed in. Nothing, not, not too many uh, too many watch obsessions. I've got, I discovered a fun uh, Seiko that I never knew existed. All right. And so if you're, if you're playing at home, the SNJ023... Um, showed up on uh, watches on Reddit, and uh, I'll send uh, send Sam the link. And it is a sort of a retro '90s Annie Digi, but it immediately strikes me. It looks like the Omega X33 with its uh, with its inverse LCD and white hands. Pretty cool looking, sort of retro '90s looking watch. Uh, that I just stumbled upon, and uh, yeah, apparently, of course, special edition. Well, not special edition, limited edition. I don't, I, I, I don't even know if they sold them here. I haven't gone completely down that rabbit hole, but that was definitely a nice tangent obsession for me this week. Uh, checking that out, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Annie Digi watch that looks like the uh, X33. Yeah, we'll put a picture on the Facebook group, and if guys, if you've not joined the Facebook group yet, it's. I'm I'm so impressed at how much it's grown over what would you say, Chris? The last two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, new new members all the time. Always uh, approved a bunch of people, and you know it's uh, it's a private group, but it's good good bunch of 
people and have uh, lots of interesting discussions so far. So. So my what I've been wearing is again I've been wearing my little titanium citizen watch. This is my Japan only land version of the citizen. I just love this thing. Um, I took it off and I've put it on a leather NATO strap just for the last couple of days. But you're right in what you said before. I have had it on. Well, first of all, had it on a NATO strap, a toxic NATO strap, which I loved. But mm-hmm. I was wearing it to death. So I ordered some barton silicon straps now i've never really been drawn to barton because they were the kind of ones on amazon that were you know around the 14 dollar mark and i was like oh are these any good but i got two of the elite silicon ones and i'd sort of said to myself that i wouldn't review any more watch straps i just don't know i just dedicated watch strap videos because i don't know how exciting they are for for viewers to watch but these ones i really think i will they're 20 dollars silicon watch straps and like you said the attention into the actual functionality of the strap i've never seen anything like it really that special notch they have for the keeper you Mm -hmm. pointed out extremely extremely comfortable um i've got a nice olive green one and i'll go over this in the review i've got the orange one and i don't think the orange one quite works but we'll go over that um when i do it when i do a review and then my watch obsession has it's been that flipping christopher ward again that world timer the Uh. yellow and i also added like a yemma to the we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago weren't we adding something to your shopping cart and then putting the discount and i was like oh should i do it should i not and i've kind of left it there i think i don't know whether i'm making rational decisions about buying watches at the moment because i'm stuck at home no, yeah, absolutely no. Yeah, no. My uh <laughs> my my parents uh got me a like a $100 gift card to Amazon for my birthday and it, that was burning a hole in my pocket, literally. And uh, I just I was like, well, it's not enough to buy a watch, but uh maybe maybe something else. And just like immediately just like, what can I get? <laughs> dangerous. Oh, no. These are dangerous dangerous e-commerce times at home. Okay, guys, what we're going to do today is usually our usual format is we do a few news stories and then we have longer form discussion for the second part after the break. But this week, I think we're going to knock out more news stories than most. And then Chris has got a rant and then I'm going to finish with a bit of a, a rant. So if you want to if you want to see us both get heated about two completely different subjects, then this is the episode for you. First news story up, and this one I haven't discussed with you, Chris, because I wanted to get your opinion on it. So I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. I was on Watch Pro, and in fact, a lot of these stories I'm going to talk through today are on Watch Pro. And they were talking mm-hmm. about a fashion brand. I'd never heard of it. Now, there's I didn't realize this, but Timex have a luxury division where they make branded i mean it makes sense but they make branded watches so i I checked out the brands and you've got like versace on there um a a few others that i can't pronounce but well well well-known fashion brands so fashion brands that contract with timex group to make their watches yeah so then i saw so i'm on the site just you know blah 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 nothing really of great interest and then i saw this one called tesla or tes tesla t-e-s-l-a-r and i was like oh that's that's spelt differently than Tesla. So they're not making like hmm. Tesla branded watches, the car company. So then I click on this and I don't know if you've, I've never heard of a watch that does this. It's a quartz watch, but it's got a chip in it that they've designed it, this watch to resist the harmful effects of electromagnetic frequency radiation. 
So essentially what it does, it emits a frequency that is similar to the natural signal that the Earth gives off. So what this does is it counteracts any electromagnetic fields. You wear it on the wrist and then it resonates with your body's own frequency or the Earth's natural frequency. It sounds weird. Like, why would Timex make this watch? All right. So first of all, let me just uh, let me just state, yeah, that EMF radiation thing. Oh, like get like kids, get your get your crystals out and your tinfoil hats out because uh, yeah, it's not it's not you're not gonna you're gonna be fine. Everybody's gonna be fine. <laughs> I uh, I always find it interesting. So I'm a, a ham radio operator, amateur radio operator, and. I I will have people ask me, they'll be like, you know, hey, well, you know, we heard cell phones, maybe were dangerous. Da, 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 da. Okay, very easy. Uh, cell phones put out about a third of a watt of energy. And yeah, you're holding them right to your head. But you know, it's not ionizing radiation. So you're totally safe. Ham radio operators have been using like 40 watt amplifiers and beaming it on giant antennas like directly through them for the last 70 years and we haven't heard any issues with that so i think we'll be okay so that's my first part there this the second part is however you want to market it i i guess if it if it doesn't directly fall back on timex does like timex have any specific branding on the watch it's just this tesla brand this tesla brand yeah and it and it was only through a google search that you figured out that they happened to also make that were they like proud of it (laughs) this i just went on this timex luxury division anybody can go on it because i was looking for like oh who makes the versace watches or whatever right right yeah but um yeah it's quite interesting it seemed like a bit out of character as they were all like fashion brands and then there's just this like random like, this, like yeah will help you with stress a watch that reduces stress i'm like oh well, fair enough so i just thought that would give you a little <laughs> bit of a, a chuckle yes if you uh yeah you can't see this it's a podcast but uh definitely hands uh face bomb full on for that one <laughs> next story have you seen this i think christopher ward are doing some great stuff i'm just going to give him credit where credit's due i mm-hmm. really like that world timer that i mentioned but They've created a watch. Now, I, I, my opinion's kind of divided on this, but it has a blue sapphire dial. The dial, is, is it? And it's so semi-translucent? Yes, it's translucent, and you can see the Salita movement through it that they're using for that particular model. Did you say that sarcastically? <laughs> well, it's not a skeleton. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not a skeletonized movement. Okay, all right. So, but, oh, okay, it's... All right, it's different. It's kind of sharp looking. I like the color choice. I'm not like a massive fan of it. I'm sure it'll look pretty cool in person, but oh, and they did it on the they did it on the back as well. Exhibition cases. It's got that same color blue sapphire. So it's the C60 with that dial. Any uh, exorbitant price markup or something reasonable? Yeah, and it's actually quite reasonable for a watch like that. It's seven nine five. Uh, on a standard bracelet or 895 on a steel bracelet which i don't think mm-hmm. that is i mean it, it's a fairly good looking watch for that price i think christopher ward's pricing is not not bad actually that's cool continuing with watch companies trying different things this is the first time i think they've done something quite as wacky as well maybe this isn't wacky but have you seen the new doxa 300t that has a forged carbon case let me pull it up. Again, a collaboration they've done with Aqualung, which I believe was Jack Cousteau's uh, diving brand at one time. But I'm sure 
listeners will correct me on that. It's a nice-looking watch. Forge Carbon, if anybody's not familiar, is essentially, it's like carbon fibre, except they just take the fibres, compress it and mould it, so it doesn't have that same... Would you call them striations, Chris, of carbon fiber, or the same? Yeah, pattern? yeah, or the the fiber pattern. Yeah, it's not like a it's not like a piece of carbon woven fiber. It's it's a bunch of fibers that are kind of they look. It definitely looks like it's been pressed, you know, compressed, you know, to form the shape of it. It, it looks probably like rock, doesn't it? Like a fossilized rock. Yeah, it's, it's got a black. sort of a natural natural texture, but black that black carbon. Yeah, and the dial is also forged carbon as well. So I'm imagining that it's extremely light. Now, it's quite expensive, $4,790, which to put that in comparison to a normal version of this watch in a steel case, $1,850 or something, I don't know whether I'll... Well, first of all, I'm not a great fan of... But what do you think of this one, Chris? Yeah, I'm not... I'm not. I'm a super fan of it. I mean, I so I think it's interesting. This is this is something that watch companies, uh, you know, Doxa, um, the tool watches out there, the tool watch companies out there, they will instead of experimenting with different designs, they will often experiment with different materials. So you'll see all the German brands. You'll see the marine steel. You'll see uh, tegmented. You'll see hardening. You'll see shot peened. You'll see, you know, these different uh, physical property materials that they'll try to affect the case or the watch or make it stronger or the seals and, you know, the, the, the technical aspects of the tool watch. Um, so it's something that interesting for them to try it. Early forged carbon watches like these cases, it's like hit or miss you know and just like in the early days of making carbon fiber uh parts for cars if the weave isn't directly right if the if the epoxy doesn't set up correctly at the right temperature the right pressure uh you know in the autoclave because i'm sure these are made in that same sort of way where they're in under pressure under you know or under vacuum and then pressurized these sorts of physical properties that they're that they're going for it's hard and I'm sure a lot of them get thrown away and they don't, you know, they don't come out right. So in that aspect, I, I, I respect that they're trying new materials for the price, you know, not, not for me. Next story up here is there's been quite a lot of new watches or at least quirky watches that worth a mention. Next up, have you seen the new G-Shock NASA limited edition version? Now, for listeners that aren't aware, G-Shocks were actually, or still are, I imagine, used in space. And in fact, you can see a lot of images of this DW5600 on astronauts' arms. Like they'll have a, they'll have their Omega on one arm and then a G-Shock <laughs> on the other. But they've made it's completely white DW6900. It has the NASA logo on it and then it has the the full name the national aeronautics and space administration written on the band i I like the idea of it i'm i don't know whether i would add one to the collection it really depends if you're a fan of the worm logo so if you like the nasa worm logo um they they have been brandishing that on on everything so so as a company you can you can ask to license that i think i think it's a license deal 
it might be it might be public domain but uh if you're into that that sort of nasa worm logo design look that super white g-shock very cool and it's interesting you mentioned sam that often missed is that the dw5600 like that's like that's a space certified watch but but like if you look on casio's website it's like a second you know like i don't even think they mention it yeah it's like only nasa that's like oh yeah and you can take a casio those watches have been in space uh probably more or as many times as uh, any of the other mechanical watches a few years ago now i reviewed one of those timex data links which was a watch that was co-developed with microsoft that timex made that was one of the very i think that there's only a handful of watches that nasa ever certified obviously the omega uh, g-shock right. and this timex mm-hmm. and i forget the other one i wouldn't we'll have to look it up i wonder whether it's the fortis i know that they also well, that was uh it. that's ross cosmos and uh the european space agency esa so I, I don't no I don't think NASA's even touched that. I think that's Fortis is just through ESA and and Russia. I'll probably get my stories confused, but before we've got a few more stories to a few more interesting watch subjects, but before we do that, let's just pause for a very quick break. Welcome back everyone, and we're continuing with what's been a really interesting news week in watches, but I'll just say one thing. Both Chris and I spoke about this earlier in the week. We were wondering whether to do the watches and wonders. I know a lot of other YouTubes have done it, but I don't know about you, Chris, but there was nothing really that excited me. They were all watches that I could never really afford or the ones that I could afford. I don't know. I just wasn't. Nothing really blowed me away. What did you think? It, it's the watches and wonders show uh in in the past i mean i i don't think it's the premise of it has always been that oat horology high horology the art the art form of watches so you've got a lot of the tourbillons you got you know those just untouchable pieces for most of us uh most of us regulars and uh m- more on the art side you know that watches and wonders I always felt like it was almost an art show, more than a watch show, where Basel World would be, you know, for the for the for the majority. I'll have to word this correctly, but definitely on a few of the watch forums that I'm on, Urban Gentry, for example, there's a lot of people putting that new Lange on, saying, "This is my new Grail watch," and I was like, I felt like typing back. You obviously in your mid twenties don't please don't save up $35,000 for a Lange watch. Invest that money. Buy a house with right, it. Right, buy yeah. a piece, a parcel of land. Please don't save up for a Lange watch. That I mean, to buy a Lange watch, is you have to be very, very rich where it almost doesn't matter. Because it, doesn't, it, right, it has to not matter. Yeah, You absolutely. would be so paranoid about wearing it, $30,000 from something that could easily get stolen. It's incredible, really. But um, not dis- not dis- dispersing Lange, because they obviously are fantastic watches. But So one for you here, Chris. This new Sin, Zin, you, the U50, which to me, I only briefly looked at it, but it looks like their standard watch that was huge is now mm-hmm. they've made it in a more reasonable size would you say do you think is that the idea or yeah they, it used to be a, a 40 45 i think and then it's down to 40 or 
41, something like that. It's, you know, a reason they, they shrunk it down. And uh, I think it looks great. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, a, a super iconic design to have more size options is great. Two uh, weird quirks on that. One was on, over on the uh, Zen forums, a lot of folks were like, you know, well, you know, if you want it for the ladies watch, <laughs> you know, that macho machismo, like, you know, the, it comes at a 45 because, you know, obviously it needs to be that size, you oh, know, that damn. kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I, a little tongue in cheek, but uh, certainly I caught a little bit of that. I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, still at 40, 40 to 41 millimeters. That's, that's a plenty big watch for anyone with, you know, seven plus interest. That's going to be totally fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, um, the other thing that was interesting, they charged more for them. I don't know if you caught that. No, I didn't. So they, they're starting around $2,000, 2,200-ish. I think the price bumped like 200, I think it was something like that. And it sort of, everybody, it kind of, it was enough, it was enough of a bump to make people like actually got, like if it was the same price, I'd be like, all right, well, in all intents and purposes, it's the same watch. I mean, yes. Okay. There's a little bit less steel in it, you know, but like, what's that a pound? And, uh, I, I you know, I could kind of see that, but, but yeah, they actually, they bumped the price up a little bit, which is, I thought was interesting. Oh, that's that's weird. Maybe they were they're expecting it to be a big seller. Maybe they thought, oh, we've absolutely nailed it now. This is going to be the you know a big seller for us. Similar to, I mean, probably the success that Doxa had with their two hundred, their ST two hundred watch, which was a more, I, I won't say wearable because people love Doxas, but it, for like an everyday wearable watch to the office, right. then that new yeah. Doxa is infinitely more wearable. You could argue. The the dial immediately reminds me of is it Modan with the the painted blocks the paintings that are all yeah. just squares and stuff like that the hands are very artistic in the fact that they are they're so iconic you look at the you you, sh- you know with the red seconds hand blocky hour minute hand uh you immediately know it's a a, a Zin um, U1 or the now the U50 next story is. Have you seen the new... So we've talked about the Seiko reissues. They did the Apocalypse Now Turtle, even though they made no reference to the film. They've also did the limited edition version to celebrate their history. Well, now it seems like they've reissued... They've reissued a reissue of the 62 MAS, but then made it more affordable, but then also in different versions. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. one that's... There's definitely one that's limited edition, but there's one that's got like a brown dial with gilt hands, a brownish dial with a silver hands, and then one that's more traditional, like with a grey dial and a a grey bezel. I really like the look of... I I honestly really like the look of them. The pricing, yeah, I mean, it's... it's, They're tickling around that... You can tell now that all the new watches are going to be a thousand... 1,200, and then the limited edition one is 1,350. Well, so they've broken out. What do you think last year with for them was like seven fifty, wasn't it? it? Was like oh, it was all seven fifty, and now it's like a thousand. I mean, I like the look of them. What do you, what do you think? They look good, but you know. So did they change what? Uh, so it was so the first one that came out was the SLA zero one seven. That was limited to two thousand. That was that thirty four hundred, but it had the high end movement in it, the eight L thirty five, which is whatever the Grand Seiko 
I think. Yeah, and this was the start, really. Th- th- that 62MS was the start of these expensive, really expensive limited editions at Baselworld, because then you had like the 1968, 69 or whatever it was called. And then you had the, obviously, they did the 6105. But now they've made, because they did make an affordable one of this, that at the time, and I bought it. That was the paddy version that I had loads of issues with. But that one had different hands. It looked similar to a 62 MS. That's right. They put the arrow. Yeah. Yeah, but this one really on looks mm-hmm. like it. This one looks like an evolution of the 62 MAS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's closer. It's certainly a closer look. So now these two models, the SPB 051053, they're larger. So they're 42 mil. So a little bit, a little bit larger, but less money. Uh, no mention of what movement is in them. They're the it's the six six L thirty five or the six R thirty five again that was in the um the turtles those turtles. I see six R thirty five yeah, in a thousand dollar watch. I just I can't I can't do it I can't do it. I, we talked about this we talked about this before, but I mean it's it's the frustrating part for me is they they could do they could do better here. They could do so much better, and they're 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 holding on to their quality, super awesome movements for Grand Seiko, and that's how they're using it to elevate their brand and say, okay, well, Grand Seiko has all the great movements. Okay, fine, fantastic, but but don't do that and simultaneously take your budget brand, right? If you're going to pin the two, I mean, I understand they've changed hands and they're no longer the same company. Sure, 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 but don't take your budget budget brand and then just start raising the prices without giving us anything extra like don't please don't do that what do you think about the apocalypse now version and this version clearly what a seiko fan would want i mean i want it i'm a seiko fan and i want these watches but in the past they've never really you could argue they've never really cared what the fans wanted in the past but in recent years we saw the arnie the mm-hmm. Annie Digi Arnie Predator and you know Commando watch that was clearly a nod to the fans. The Apocalypse Now version clearly a nod to the fans. This 62 mm-hmm. MAS clearly a nod to the fans. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're embracing the fan community or do you think they're exploiting the fan community? It, yeah, it, it feels like ex- exploiting. It feels like it because it's on the premise that someone is going to have many of these. Someone is going to want to collect these, you know, and yeah, not necessarily and... on the premise of, you know, hey, we used to make this a re-edition on its own that's a decent priced re-edition of something that we made years ago. Okay, you know, that that is. But this tease with the with the special and we're going to make one that's that's got this with sapphire and the one that comes on a rubber bracelet is a thousand dollars then the one that comes on the steel bracelet is one thousand two hundred dollars now those seiko steel bracelets never in a million years have they spent probably even fifty dollars designing yeah. those i refuse to believe that that's a two hundred dollar bracelet but then they have a limited edition with a different dial at one thousand three hundred fifty so it has got the metal bracelet, but it's 350 more than the, the rubber bracelet for a limited edition. Now, you had a great analogy about these limited editions, didn't, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was talking to Sam earlier. So I went on a bit of a rabbit hole. I was looking for a new um, everyday carry knife. I found a YouTuber 
just like I would with watches, just like I would with, you know, any, anything that I'm interested in, I'm going to, I'm going to watch a review on YouTube and, and see if it's, you know, if it's for me. But um, this YouTuber, and I'll put a link in the description where we'll talk about it on the Facebook group, specifically called out the fact that he was no longer going to review special edition knives because he was just tired for the community of this situation where you get this knife that comes in a special color, okay? And they have 200 of them. And if you really want that, well, you can't get it because people have already purchased it. Flippers are already bought it. You're going to have to buy it on the secondary market. So the same sort of stories that we hear all the time with watches where, you know, oh, you know, a bunch of people went out and they bought that Timex because they didn't know how many were going to be made and, and they tried to flip them on eBay and it was a special edition or they thought it was a special edition or these same sort of stories where people will just scoop up the 200 or the not enough. He was tired of it. And I think he had enough subscribers and enough sort of play in the, in the community to say, I'm just not going to review... I'm not going to bring attention to these one-off special editions that no one can buy that are, are just a play for money. They're just jacking up the price to get, to get people the fear of missing out. So that, that terrible marketing plan where it's the fear of missing out and you've got to buy now because you're, we're only going to make this in green for, you know, one time. And um, yeah, so he said, if you're a small knife maker and you're going to do a run, a limited run, but depending on how they sell, you may make more. That's fine. That's, that's completely different. But the marketing of the truly, we could make a billion of these, but we're only going to make a hundred. And so you better buy now. No good for anybody. Not good for the consumer, not good for the community. And so totally agree with not doing it. This is the thing that annoys me, particularly about the the when they reissued that sixty two MAS watch, because they're they're for the the original sixty two MAS ones that, and we're not talking crazy money for them. I mean, I guess a really good example you might pay three or four thousand dollars for it. That watch was probably less than a hundred. I'm sure it was less than a hundred dollars when it came out. I mean, this was a, mm-hmm. this was the standard Seiko. It, the romance that that watch had, the fact that obviously a lot of people didn't really care about them at the start. They're just like, oh, it's just a Seiko watch. You know, I had it in the military or whatever. That That's the romance around those. The reissues shouldn't be a, oh, well, yeah, you like the romance of that watch that was basically the everyman's watch. Now we're going to make it a very unaffordable price for you. So it's- and, and take it away from the everyman. You know, and and elevate it to a place where we're like you can't, where like normal people can't buy it, and you're like that literally is outside of the history of the watch and your brand that you can't go and just pick one of these up. Frustrating. And the blue looks, by the way, inside line, the blue looks <laughs> looks so good on this watch. That that blue dial, so sharp. But yeah, it looks awesome. Thirteen hundred. Nope. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, Seiko. No, no special editions here. Guys, let us know what you think about that on the Facebook group or whatever you're watching uh, this or listening this on. Uh, the podcast is now available on Stitcher. I know some people asked me for that. Chris and I managed to work out a way of getting it onto Stitcher so you can listen there as well, if that's your preferred method. Well, Chris, you just had a rant about knives and I'm going to have a little bit of a rant here 
and this again was uh, this is we're getting a lot of great subjects from the facebook group so thank you to uh lee over on the facebook group who commented about cwc watches so if anybody's not familiar cabot watch company made for quite a long time general service watches for the british military they stopped i think around the mid 2000s but for a long time they were used i made an upload on my i have one of these g10 general service watches and i get some great comments on them a lot of people who served in the military and said oh we had drawers full of them and then some people that served in the military were like oh no we we could never get hold of them Anyway, very simple service uh, watch. Now, the reason that I get a little bit... Because I would own more. This The CWC watch that I have, I will never get rid of it. I gave it to my father-in-law, who he wore it for years and sadly passed away. Very simple quartz watch, 36 millimeters, uh, 18 mil lug width. You put it on a NATO fixed spring bars, has an acrylic crystal on it. it it is what it is it's a u it's a utility watch and they exactly. made a boatload of them what happened was for some reason now if you go on the cwc website it's now run by silverman's now silverman's was or probably still is an army surplus store and at some point i'm guessing around the mid mid 2000s they bought either licensed the Cabot Watch Company or they bought what remained of the, the Cabot Watch Company. I'm, hmm. I speculate this is around when they lost their military contract, I think, because um, as far as I'm aware, they're not current military issue. Although, obviously, somebody can correct me on these. There's a lot of people that are very knowledgeable about these watches, far more than I am. So I'm not going to talk about the watches in general. What I am going to talk about is I feel like silverman's now are ruining the cabot watch company name by just taking the absolute mick with the i don't even know if i can swear on here but they're basically taking the piss with the pricing now so what i thought i would do to illustrate my point chris and, and what i the reason that i feel so bad at, that i feel so bad about this is because for a start, if you want that British military history, you even the second-hand CWC watches have gone up in price. Now, you can only mm-hmm. get them through Silverman's. They aren't on the grey market. Mm-hmm. You can't buy them. They've, they've restricted the supply chain, so only they can sell them. But when I bought my G10 watch, and it was probably early 2000s, maybe 2004 mm-hmm. or something like that, you could regularly get them. on. You could buy job lots of them on eBay. For like they were twenty dollars a piece. You'd yeah. often find them at my mum used to when I was a kid, we always used to go to antiques fairs. She was collected um at these Toby jugs, which is basically like a jug, but it's like a a man with a handle on the back. The jug is the shape of a person sat down usually. Honestly, they couldn't give these away at antiques fairs. I mean, I picked up a mechanical one which I've always regretted selling them, but you could regularly get these. They they weren't in scarce supply at all. Right. There's right. some there's some factory out there that could knock these out in and what's proved that is there's another company called mcw which kind of make i guess a homage to this although i think they might have been military issued at one time as well but essentially they make the same watch just with mwc on it this is what annoys me now because people who really love military watches of which i'm certainly one i'm sure you are as well chris 
Mm-hmm. You're essentially, I suppose, similar to your knife comment. It's like, and similar to the Seiko comment, if you want this watch, you can only buy it from CWC and you've basically got to pay what I think is outrageous, outrageous pricing right. for these watches. So what I thought I'd do, Chris, is I'll, mm-hmm. I'll play a bit of prices right with you here. Now, okay. what I'm sure the people at um, Silverman's, I'm not going to say, oh, well, in the early 2000s, I could buy it on eBay for £40 because that doesn't mean anything. That You can't equate that to anything. So what I did was I went on the, the Wayback Machine. Uh, if anybody's not familiar, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you know it well, Chris. This is just an awesome site that archives old websites. So you can look at, mm-hmm. you could look at Apple in, when they released the iMac in you know, 1997. You could go back to that original launch page. And it just so happens that they have archived, sometimes it's only once a year, the actual original Cabot Watch Company website and then their distributor, Silverman's. So you can actually Mm. go back. Now, again, I'm going to be fair here. I am not going to go back to the year 2000 because that's like 20 years ago, which is still unbelievable to me to think that that 2000 (laughs) was 20 years ago. I know, but, right? Yeah. Uh, but what I thought I would do is I thought I would g- give you an idea of pricing in 2012, so eight years okay. ago. So this is eight years ago. Okay. Eight years ago, and then 2016, and whatever the current price is nowadays. And I was thinking about it when you were saying, uh, being you know, taking something that was military issued. It it reminded me of the uh, the the Urban Outfitters where they take the uh, camo jacket. And they distress the camo jacket that was, you know, sitting on a rack in an army surplus store for $6. And suddenly it's on a rack in a specialty store for, you know, $70. Same, that same sort of feeling where you're like, but, but these are, these are army issue. These are, these are ubiquitous. They're in a drawer. How can you? I feel like they could sell a lot more of these watches. I I honestly feel like they could Mm -hmm. sell, if they were just reasonably reasonably priced so the standard uh, the one that i've always liked the look of is the they do a royal navy quartz diver so it's a simple quartz royal navy diver watch with a bezel on it and they just happen to call it the royal navy navy diver they have an auto automatic version of this watch Mm -hmm. Which the current price, well, I'll give you the, what I'll do is I'll give you the price of, I'll give you the price of it in 2012. So in 2012, you, and I'm going to have to do it in pounds because that's how, how they're sold in, in pounds. I okay. Won't okay. Be the conversion. They've sold, they sold this watch, this automatic Royal Navy Diver CWC watch for £475 back in 2012. Inflation since then has been, 14.3%. So adjusting for inflation that would be about 542 pounds which is I think that's about right for a, a dateless ETA powered um mechanical sort of watch. basic mechanical yeah. yeah basic mechanical nothing nothing special you know, uh saf not even sapphire I don't I don't even know but uh okay and so you want me to guess you want yeah, me to guess, guess what, how guess much what, in, in eight, what it's yeah. going for now, eight years now. Okay. 
So we, we originally picked it up 500 and, uh, obviously, you know, inside knowledge, they, they're, they're, they turned up the, they turned up the price a bunch. Uh, let's say an exorbitant, almost, almost double, let's say 900 bucks. They've got a couple of different versions and they've got one that they're calling the 1980, but basically they're just different dials, same watch. But this one now is, uh, yeah, it's $900, or this Royal Navy one with just a different dial is nearly uh, £2,000. £2,000 for this 1980 Royal Navy diver, and all they've done is change the dial and polish the case. Um, Even if you go for the cheapest version of their mechanical dive watch, uh, that's £900. So we're talking like $1,300 here. So, wow. I mean, you've gone in the space of eight years from £475 to, at the cheapest, £900. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. So it's, like you said, it's, it's nearly double the price in eight years for a watch that is a, it has not changed. in. I mean, it's not changed since it was issued to the Royal Navy in, you know, throughout the 2000s. I can't think, even Rolex hasn't doubled their prices in eight years. <laughs> right, yeah, I know, right? It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And then you've got their standard G10 watch, which has slowly been creeping up. So this is the very simple, uh, it's known as the G10. That's more of a, a yeah. nickname for it because it, that the G10 was the, G10 was the name of the form that the soldiers filled out. The G10 watch that they sold, which is the one that I've got that I bought for £40, so about you know $55 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Back in 2012, they were selling this watch for £115. Then in 2016, that had gone from £115 to being £160 mm-hmm. for this watch. Now... So in 2016, 160, it just in an extra four years, that watch, the cheapest version of that watch that they sell is 200 pounds. So you've gone up, you've gone up, you know, from 160 to 200 in the space of four years, or in the space of eight years, you've gone from 115 pounds up to 200 pounds. And that's the cheapest version. They actually sell that same watch if you want if you if you dare to want this with a date <laughs> right, it's like 300 right. quid or if you want it with a slightly different dial they've got one that's got a desert storm dial 350 pounds it, it's ridiculous these are, these are quartz these are quartz g10 basics st- like literally standard issue like the term standard issue comes from the fact that these were standard issue yeah standard issue in <laughs> fact just the one that i out. had was issued i can't think of what because Okay, if you said to me, all right, well, Chris, you know, ETA is uh, tightening up their movements and they can't, you know, they can't get a hold of the ETA movements anymore. Okay, all right, okay, fine. Okay, fine. But why did you double the price of the quartz? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, if that was the case, manufacturing hasn't, like, if anything, it's gotten cheaper. Like, the ability to make these, you know, you don't, you don't, you have, we have robots now, future. So I can't, I can't really believe that there's something in their, like, supply chain it's this is not comp this is not a complicated watch this is a standard issue watch so yeah i don't i i would not other than what we were talking about which is 
sort of taking advantage of your nostalgic childhood or the nostalgia and the memories and the um, brand built up around um, this, you know, these watches. The one that I've got is a, just for anybody that's looking, both the one that I'm comparing this to, the one that I've got is the, has got the tritium dial. So the tritium dial ones are more expensive even on, on their website, but I was kind of giving you the idea of the cheapest one is 199. The tritium one is 349. And even on their website, they actually have a little bit of history about the Cabot Watch Company where they say that they supplied the G10 watch from 1980. And it's estimated that over 200,000 of the G10 watches have been produced. So it just shows you how when they were supplying them to the MOD, they were probably selling them to the MOD at, I'm guessing, less than 50 quid. I mean, the MOD is not going to... Yeah, it has to be like half the price. Right, because they're right. It's a military watch. They're just going to set the price. And they're like, well, if you can make them for this price and make a little profit, fantastic. We want all of them. You know, military contract. Especially with this stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, this is, this is a military, con- you know, like you said, going back to the 80s, this is military contract stuff, so. I, I was just going to say their pricing really doesn't make a lot of sense. They have a, they have the standard watch that they sell. So, for example, this SBS, um, the Diver Standard Issue Quartz version, which SBS, if anyone's not familiar with that term, that's the special boat service. They're like, I imagine that Delta Force would be over in the US or something. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so we have this special air service and special boat service. Anyway, there's a completely PVD blacked out quartz watch. They sell that quartz version for £699. So that's probably closer to $800. But if you want the version that is the 1987, again, quartz version, now, as far as I can tell, all that they've done is changed the bezel ring and then they fotinered the hands. It, it, the, and it's got, I um, think they've used, uh, uh, they've, it's certainly got the T on the dial. So I wonder whether that's a throwback or whether they have used, actually used tritium. But either way, so if you want the special edition SBS one, it's not £699, it's £899. For a different dial and different yeah. hands, it's it's exploitative. Uh, yep. I think I yeah, feel ex- like exploitative. Yeah, exploitative. Exactly. Yeah, taking advantage, taking advantage of the of their you know of the the rest of that you know that market. Yeah, yeah. No more special editions, Sam. We're done. Yeah. No more reviewing. No more reviewing special editions. We're gonna talk about them. <laughs> I know. And just to reiterate, if anybody's listened to the this to the end of the rant is. I would own every single one of these CWC watches. I love the history. I've I know service members in the UK who who had these watches. They thought very fondly of them. A lot of people comment on that CWC video I did. I need to update it about fond memories they had with this watch. I would. Uh, they're great. I mean that that quartz diver that they had could be probably one mm-hmm. of the best watches you could own. It's highly highly legible. Um, they're fixed spring bars. They're a beautiful looking watch. You make a great point. The, the fact that we're in this hobby and that we enjoy the watches, there has to be something else with the brand, with the story where, you know, when you put it on your wrist, okay, you know, 
you know, this was special. It's a, it's tool watch, it's designed, it has a GMT, whatever. And it was, you know, $2,000, but I feel like it's good value for the money and the brand is well-respected. You're, you're looking for all of that. So when you look at this and say, well, here's a brand that's clearly, you know, doubled their prices in, in a short number of years. Uh, they're owned by another company. They're clearly taking advantage of that connection to the military issued watches of everyone's childhood. And they're just jacking up the prices. So now you just, now you're like, I don't, I don't want that on my wrist. I don't want to represent that. And, and so I think it really drives home uh, that there is that, there is that connection that, that people have to have with like, when we discover new brands and we say like, you know, what, what do you guys, you know? Oh yeah, we're you know we're we're pumping these out and you know whatever mineral crystals cheaper blah blah blah. You're like all right, well you know if that's if that's what you want, but but that's not what we want. We want we want the the value. We want the story. You know this is all part of this is all part of this. this is all part of the the hobby and and you know discovering these these brands. And so yeah, this exploitive nature of these brands so so hard to. What I would say, if you are going to spend money on a CWC watch and you like the brand and you like the ethos and you're, you're comfortable with spending that amount of money on the watch, I would do some research on military forums or something like that and see if you can find either a, a service member that still has their watch, although I imagine they might have had to hand them back, um, or, or find one that's been issued and now i know it's hard to work out whether they've been issued or not but at least i'm sure you could find one that is about the right time frame you know sort of if you're thinking like bosnian war like falklands in the 80s if you're looking mm -hmm. up the dates and maybe if you like the romance of it at least find one that was produced at that time which probably means that likely maybe a military service member had it maybe you can find somebody just do a little bit of research uh, because these brand new ones are they're they're homage that they obviously they're made the same way and that it's the technically the same company even though it's in different hands that are making it but they're not currently in military issues and i imagine it's maybe because of the pricing i mean they went with pulsar watches didn't <laughs> right. they and like seiko's right. for a while yeah yeah and I, I would say as someone who's i own a couple of uh, that vintage that like uh, early 90s era you know or late 90s era watch they made them to survive uh where i would maybe not delve into something from the 60s 50s and 60s you know i don't i don't think that i would be comfortable looking at or purchasing a vintage omega from the 50s and 60s i think that would be i'd be completely out of my comfort zone i think it's much more likely that you could get a decent example you know mid 90s watch that was maybe issued that you could have a watchmaker check out that could be made absolutely waterproof, tough as nails, have no problem with it. Um, that's much more likely. Um, and I'd, I'd almost say that that feels for me, if I was on the hunt for one of these, I, that would be more rewarding than just handing over the $1,900 for the special edition. And what I'd say if also, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're kind of shouting at your iPhone or something and saying, well, what they don't appreciate is that this is a small watch company now making these watches. That argument doesn't sit well with me because you only have to look at other companies like Time Factors, which is run by one guy out of his house. 
and he's recreating or keeping alive vintage military brands um like persister and a, and a few other mm-hmm. of those brands you know dave who runs detroit mint on our uh, regular on our forum who's knocking out watches the 200 dollar mark that are homages mm-hmm. to 60 uh, you know the 6105s these watches can uh, are not uh, they're being produced for, i'm convinced for a fraction of what they're costing him and to be honest if they're if if this $200 um, watch that they're selling, this G10, if they can't make this £200 watch, or if they can't make this £199 watch for less than, say, £100, their supply chain is totally messed up. Like, they're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was my... Uh, Chris had his little rant about knives, and that was my little rant about CWC. I just think it's... I think that ultimately, especially if there's some kind of economic retraction... I feel like this could kill the CWC brand because mm. I, I think if you're seriously looking at it, it's what price do you put on the history of this this watch? Like for a quartz watch, what history when you could probably with a little bit of work? I mean, so I had a look today just anecdotally uh, those Pulsar watches that I imagine probably cost £20 to make. They're, they're on eBay for like 150 pounds but mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were issued they they were military issued if you like the idea of military issued watches you could probably with a little bit of research maybe find one that even on active duty with somebody um or, or, or maybe to, half the price yeah or to chris chris's point who's our kind of channel's resident military expert is you would probably be surprised at the watches that real service members used and why they used them. And some of them, certainly in Chris's case, he, he wore a citizen for a long time. And to hear those stories about the the military watches that were common, I mean, I, you could, I imagine that more of the British soldiers might be wearing G-Shocks now than, than, wore, than wore CWC watches at the time. I mean, that's just probably a conjecture on my part again. I'm really interested to know what you think about CWC, and certainly Chris is interested to to know about what you think about if you're into knives and that EDC community. Let us know over on the Facebook group. I'm not expecting you to agree with me on the CWC thing, but I know it was certainly a point that came up on the uh, uh, the Facebook group this week. Chris, thanks for uh, joining me again. Thanks, Sam. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll both see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.